Now this one is an oldie but goodie. Sing it! Right on King Jesus mm-hmm. No man cannot hinder thee Right on King Jesus Right on No man cannot hinder thee No, no man. man cannot hinder thee One more time Right on King Jesus No the Lord has made. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The Lord is our strength and our song. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He has become our victory 
Thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Palm Sunday, welcome everybody. A special welcome for those who are joining us online. If it's the first time you've been with us, my name's Eleanor, and I'm part of the congregation here at Christchurch. Today's team is Ian, John, 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 Peter, and James. James is going to bring us God's challenge. And Peter, I think, has some notices. Peter, our vicar, if you're not sure. morning folks. It is Holy Week uh, and so we've got a few services coming up. Uh, We've got uh, Monday Thursday communion at 7.30 here in church Uh, and then we have of course Good Friday. Uh, So there's an open air play in town. It's a a passion play. Uh, It's going to be really good. Uh, Do support it. Do go to town into town if you can. It starts at the castle at half past ten and then they will make their way through town uh, on the route that is already decided. So do go and support that. Do witness to, to people around and about you about what this is all about as well. So do, do support that if you can. Uh, we've got Good Friday meditations here in church between 2 and 3 p.m. on Friday. Uh, and then of course Easter Day there's, we, uh, we're holding, I'm uh, leading an Easter Day sunrise service on Lith Hill at 6 a.m. So if you're feeling like, you know, an early start, do join us. Uh, that's on Lith Hill, 6 o'clock Easter Sunday morning. And then we, our joint service is Easter Day at 10 o'clock to celebrate the risen Jesus. Thanks, Alan. Palm Sunday. <clears throat> we begin our, if you like, imaginative spiritual journey through Easter week, remembering all that happened in that week. So we're going to begin with a good Palm Sunday hymn, Hark the Glad Sound, the Saviour Comes.
would you like to be seated? And Osa is coming. Give us a feedback about how she got on and what happened when she was in Denmark recently. Thanks, Osa. Hello. <laughs> I had a, a text last night from Vivian, and I thought I'd like to read it to you. translated of course. Dear Osa, I didn't manage to get to the computer today but will you take our greetings, many greetings to the church in the morning and thank them for their welcoming. We were so blessed and I'm so grateful for your prayers for us and for the area around us. God's peace and sleep well, and I did. <laughs> well, that says it, doesn't it? How thankful they were for being part of Christ Church. Because for 12 years I've been part of this group in Denmark, and these two ladies had planned to come and visit Christchurch to find out what I was telling them was true about how wonderful you are. They live in a, in a very remote area of Denmark. It's the outer margins. There's long spaces between their churches. And this particular group benefited from an alpha course that they did back in 2011 and they carried on meeting every Monday morning at quarter past eight. Now it's situated so that quite a few of them are close, um, some just five or six miles away, but there are two who are 15 and 25 miles away. And so they come together, and because they don't seem to get a lot of spiritual guidance through the churches, they have this need to get together for fellowship and for teaching. And so they stay together for an hour. They send me a text. Of course, there's a time difference, so I have to get up early because the text comes at a quarter past seven. And it tells me who's there, what they're going to read, and any prayer requests they might have. And over those 12 years, when we didn't have COVID, I'd go over there two or three times a year and have time with them, and we'd uh, read the scriptures together and, and pray together. And of course, they meet with other Christians at other times, and there was a particular reason for prayer for them. One of the gentlemen had cancer. He had three operations. They opened him up, they closed him again, and they couldn't remove the cancer. It was too dangerous. So in the end, they gave up. In the meantime, they treated him with um, with x-ray and chemo and you know 
the cancer disappeared. And because he was so thankful for their prayers, he decided that he and his wife would like to host the next gathering together, which was when I went back with them. And during that day, we, we spent the whole day together. We had brunch, we had study, and we ended up having worship in the local church. But what we talked about was something Debbie planted in me back in January. Do you remember? She talked about the God who sees. And I was thinking, yes, God listens and God speaks. And so we had a look and began to understand the compassion and love that God has for his creation, for nations, for communities, and for us as individuals. And so we looked at the scriptures that told us about the God who sees, the God who listens, and the God who speaks. I had wonderful times with them. We met for meals, which is something that's new since COVID. It was really good. And I'm just hoping that soon we'll be able to do the same. I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Ogerson. <coughs> we probably uh, should be continuing to pray for the group in Denmark that Osa supports. Thank you. We're going to continue with the liturgy. So let's say together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than, greater than these, and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Moment of silence as we think about that.
So now let's admit to God the sins and weaknesses which have distanced us, distanced us from him. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoings and cleanse us from our sins. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God have mercy on us. May he forgive us our sins and bring us to eternal life. Amen. We have some words now which I found, and I think they're quite powerful, and I'd like us to say them together. But first of all, I'm going to read them, and I hope you can, you can read them there, so that we can meditate on them for, as we read them through. And then I'm going to ask us to stand and read them together. <clears throat> so it says, let us enter the city of God today and shout Hosanna to our King. Let us join the walk towards freedom and follow Christ's path to wholeness. Let our hearts ache for justice and mercy and weep for peace and freedom. Let us turn our backs on the powers that grasp for control and follow the one who brings life Let us walk in solidarity with the abandoned and the oppressed and welcome the broken and the sick. Let us touch and see as God draws near, riding in triumph towards the cross. Would you like to stand and we'll say this together. Let us enter the city of God today and shout Hosanna to our King. Let us join the walk toward freedom and follow Christ's path to wholeness. Let our hearts ache for justice and mercy and weep for peace and freedom. Let us turn our backs on the powers that grasp for control and follow the one who brings life. Let us walk in solidarity with the abandoned and oppressed and welcome the broken and the sick. Let us touch and see as God draws near in triumph toward the cross. And we could stay standing because we're now going to sing Ride on, ride on in majesty.
like to be seated. It's time for our reading and our sermon, and before we have John up to read and James to tell us God's message, I'll pray for God to speak to us. Holy God, you keep our promises. Speak to us, we pray. We know that James has heard your voice because we have been praying for him and we know he's heard your voice, so we ask that you will touch our hearts, tell us what you want to tell us, and speak to us, Lord. Make us challenged to move that bit further on in our Christian lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Our reading is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Here endeth Alison. Well, good morning, everyone, and um, it's, it's great to be here with you on, on Palm Sunday um, and, and have the, the privilege of, of sharing God's, God's word with you. And, and thank you to all of those who've already shared some thoughts and, and meditations um, that we, we can take with us. Um, I'm not sure how to dress, actually, for, for, for preaching in, in Christ Church. Um, Sue pointed out that um, Peter always wears a sweater. Um, whereas John Langridge always wears a jacket, so I, I'm kind of um, doing both um, and, and, until I get too warm. Um, so that, that, that's the first point made. The, the second is that if anybody's come here to listen to a sermon on the title in the news sheets, you'll be disappointed because I'm not actually going to talk about um, Blessed is the King. Um, the title for my sermon, um, if, if you need a title, is Do We Understand Who Jesus Is? Do We Understand Who Jesus Is? 
we've read the account of, of Palm Sunday, and it's a huge Christian festival, isn't it? I, I remember once, or twice actually, I think, being in Barcelona um, and, and standing outside the, the Catholic cathedral on, on Palm Sunday when everybody came out of, the, out of the cathedral and they were all kind of, I've got this right, Sue, waving palms, and it, it was quite an impressive sight. Um, so it's a, it's a big festival, and when trying to work out the meaning of festivals like this, and this one in particular, um, I always try and imagine what it would have been like to be there, um, what it would have been like to be outside Jerusalem as, as Jesus was walking in on, on, that, on that Palm Sunday. Uh, I, I sometimes think when we read the Bible, it can be a little bit clinical, can't it, because um, you know, it, there isn't a lot of detail. Sometimes we have to imagine things. And I, I don't know whether you've ever taken part in a big crowd event like, uh, like that which happened on Palm Sunday with Jesus triumphantly going into the city. Um, the only one I've taken part in, um, in a sense, was um, I, I remember going to watch England play Scotland at Wembley a long time ago in some Euro championship with my son James. And as we left Shrewsbury, uh, on the train, you could see some people on the train who were obviously going to the same place. And then as the train got to London, more and more people joined in on that journey, obviously going to Wembley to watch the match. And then when you got to London, it was obvious, the crowds all going to Wembley. When you got to Wembley, everybody was there. You knew where people were going. They were talking to each other, gossiping, who's going to win, who's going to score a goal, etc., etc. Jesus obviously wasn't going to a football match, um, but, but it would have been like that on Palm Sunday. The people were already in Jerusalem, but there would have been hundreds of people all making their way um, towards Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Passover. They would have been talking um, to each other. It would have been very exciting, um, you know, wondering where they were going to stay, how the festival was going to be, and, and of course, lots of anticipation about what was going to happen in festivals like this. Jerusalem must have been jam-packed, and there was this added excitement, wasn't there? Because um, people had heard about Jesus. They knew he was coming. Um, some of the people were talking about Lazarus being raised from the dead, which had happened just beforehand, and the parables of Jesus. What happened next, though, after people were moving on their way there, must have been totally unexpected. It had never happened before. Uh, the crowds saw Jesus entering the city on a donkey. Um, and the message was clear. They, he was entering the city as the king. And they began cheering him. They began praising him. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They were laying down their cloaks. They were waving palm branches. And, and it turned from just an ordinary journey into Jesus entering the city in what must have looked like some form of triumphal entry. That's what happened. What I want to do is, is just consider <clears throat> the different people who were taking part in that journey and what they understood uh, about Jesus. Um, and I was challenged a little as I prepared this message, and hopefully um, you will be as, as well. Firstly, there were the disciples, um, <coughs> the, the 12 originally, but, but we read in, in, um, in Luke's Gospel that there were more than the 12. There were lots of followers of, of, of Jesus who were going into the city. They'd had an amazing few weeks up until this point, um, and they were part of this crowd. But I think the disciples didn't really understand what was happening. 
they were uncertain. They might have been a bit confused. We were told in, in Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, Jesus told them why they were going up to Jerusalem. We're going up to Jerusalem, he says, and everything that was written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. And they will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. But then Jesus goes on to say, or sorry, Luke goes on to say, the disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them. And they didn't know what he was talking about. This is despite the fact that this is the third time that Jesus had said, we're going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. But even so, the disciples didn't fully understand what was going to happen. The message, the meaning um, was, was hidden from them. They must have known something special was going to happen. Um, some might have shared the view of, that's traditionally ascribed to the crowd, that, that he was, Jesus was going to be crowned some form of king. Others, um, like maybe Peter or John, might have had a, a deeper a spiritual meaning. But they were puzzled. They were uncertain. They didn't really understand what was happening and why it was happening. But they still obeyed. They still followed Jesus. They, they still went to get a donkey, which is, when you think about it, an amazing thing uh, to do, to be suddenly told to go into a village and find a donkey outside somebody's house and bring it back to Jesus. Why does Jesus need a donkey, they might have been saying to themselves. There was a huge amount of uncertainty. They didn't really understand what was happening. And I think that often applies to us, not just in our spiritual lives, but in lives generally. We don't always understand, even though God has given us lots of clear commands, lots of guidance, lots of instruction in his word. We don't always know what God's will is for us <coughs> in what is happening. We try to work it out. We sometimes fail. We sometimes don't understand and what's happening. And that was true of the disciples. <coughs> they were part of God's plan, but they didn't know how they were part of God's plan. But it was only only after Jesus was glorified that it all became clear. Um, in John's Gospel, we're, we're told, and this is where I always lose my notes, um, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these, these things had been done to him. So they did understand. When they look back, so on the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching in the square, they understood. They must have said, well, now I know why all this happened. And sometimes we're given that privilege as well. We know why things happen to us. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's only when we see him face to face, uh, when we will see him face to face, that everything will be put into context. Sometimes we have to live through circumstances, obeying God without really knowing what God's plans are, but at the same time knowing that God does have a plan. A second person in, in this journey, um, and I won't spend a long time on this person, is the person who owned the cult, owned the donkey. Um, suddenly, some of Jesus' disciples appeared outside his house, started untying this donkey that hadn't been ridden on, went outside to say, what on earth are you doing taking my donkey? And, and all the disciples said was, the Lord needs it. And that was it. The Lord needs it. And he let them take it. No questions. When am I going to get it back? Are you going to pay for it? Who's going to feed it? Who's going to look after it? No questions at all, at least they're recorded in God's word. The Lord wanted it, so the Lord had it. 
And again, you know, we can learn something from that. God wants lots of things from us. Again, it's in his word um, what he wants from us. Trust, obedience, love, care, all the lists that, that, that are in, uh, in the various books in the New Testament of that, how we should behave. God wants our lives. He wants our money. He wants our time. He wants our energy. And we should be willing, like the owner of the cult, just to give those things to him without any question. You can have everything I have, Lord, um, because you deserve it. The third group of people are <coughs> the people themselves um, who were kind of traveling into Jerusalem. Some came out of Jerusalem, uh, we're told, to, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them were kind of going into Jerusalem and were joining this crowd uh, as they went on. And <coughs> these people, the, the disciples maybe didn't understand um, what was happening. Um, these people misunderstood, I think, by and large, what was happening. They were, they were acclaiming him as king. They called him the son of David, which is one of the titles um, that, that's given to the Messiah. Um, those with a bit more spiritual understanding would have understood about a king coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, which is a prophecy uh, from Zechariah. But however they understood him, whether they saw him as a Messiah who was going to bring peace, which is, is still the traditional view of Judaism, the Messiah for them hasn't come yet. Some might have seen him as, as a liberator um, from the Romans. Some might have just joined in because it was something to join in. There were crowds waving and putting their cloaks in front of Jesus. Um, they, might, they might not have even thought about um, what was happening. I think there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding about what this event was. But by and large, the evidence is that many of these people had got Jesus completely wrong. The evidence is that uh, a few days later, they were willing to crucify him. They were willing to see him on a cross, no matter what they'd said uh, when Jesus <coughs> was coming into Jerusalem. The evidence of, of their real thinking comes a kind of week later when he was crucified. There was confusion and misunderstanding. The disciples didn't understand fully. The crowds misunderstood, I believe, what Jesus was about. Now, I'm, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, I, I, I know now, but what can we learn from this? Well, I think our role is to understand that today people misunderstand Jesus. Lots of people have created their own Jesus in their own minds. And, and our job as, as a church and as Christians is <coughs> to put people right. You know, we have Easter week coming up ahead. This is our chance to put people right about who Jesus really is and what his mission on earth really was. And of course, we need to understand who Jesus is as, as well. So that's what, <coughs> what we are here to do in response to this misunderstanding. And I think there's a hint of this in Jesus' response to the Pharisees, because we're told in, in Luke's Gospel um, that the Pharisees uh, in the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And, and Jesus refused. Um, he, there was a whole crowd of disciples who began to joyfully praise God, we're told earlier. The Pharisees said, rebuke them, stop them. And Jesus said, no. He said, he's not going to shut the disciples up. Um, and because he said, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. And I think that's our job in this Easter week. We're not stones, but we have to cry out about the meaning of Easter so that people really will understand. 
So we have the disciples who didn't really understand. We have the crowd who misunderstood. Jesus, of course, knew exactly what was happening. And when I was preparing this sermon and reading various commentaries, <clears throat> I, was, I was a little bit puzzled because, you know, what happened on Palm Sunday was very kind of un-Jesus-like, wasn't it? I, I know he preached to large crowds, but he never, as far as I know, and, and you know, those of you can, can correct me, he'd never kind of done what he did here. He'd never proclaimed himself as king. In fact, um, at times he told people not to tell people he was the Messiah. At times he wanted his kingship, the fact he was the Messiah, um, to be hidden. And for him suddenly to kind of get on this donkey and ride triumphantly into the city, something that he had never done before, I believe, something that he'd avoided. And it didn't happen by chance. Why did Jesus have to enter Jerusalem in this way? Why didn't he just walk in and start preaching in the temple? Why did he have to enter um, on, on a donkey? Why did he have to go in in this triumphal way and accept the praise of the people? Well, firstly, it, it must be said it wasn't an accident. It wasn't that suddenly there was a crowd going in and Jesus thought, hmm, here's my chance to kind of proclaim myself as Messiah. Let's kind of find a donkey somewhere, get on it and get in. No, it was all planned. Um, it wasn't an accident uh, at all. Uh, it was partly to fulfill a prophecy, prophecy in Zechariah. Um, See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. There was a prophecy about the Messiah, lots of prophecies about the Messiah. And this one said that Jesus was going to, the Messiah was going to enter um, a city as a king on a donkey. So it's to fulfill a, a prophecy. But it was also, I believe, to make a statement that his time had come. You know, it might seem a bit dramatic, but this is the most important week in the history of the planet, isn't it? This is the most important week in human history. When God declared himself, um, to, Jesus declared himself to be God and died for the sins of us, the sins of his people. It was a kind of run-up to this great battle um, between God through Jesus and, and the devil. Only Jesus, I believe, knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, <coughs> he knew that this fight was ahead of him. He knew that he'd have to die for the sins of the world on the cross. He knew that he was going to rise again. He knew that all this was going to happen. And this was a kind of public declaration that here is the end of one period of history and the beginning of another period of history. He had this triumphal entry. He entered on a donkey. Kings <coughs> often rode on, on donkeys when they came in peace, uh, apparently. So he came offering peace, the peace between us and, and God. The message, in a sense, couldn't have been clearer. Jesus knew what was happening. Is that how we see Jesus? Jesus understood what was happening. Do we understand um, what was happening? How do we see him? And how are we going to proclaim um, Jesus as our Lord and as our King this Easter week? And I want to kind of finish by reading a few more verses because even kings weep. I, I don't know whether this is kind of going ahead too much, but verse 41 says, um, verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And then Jesus says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. 
and, and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And he goes on to talk about a prophecy of what's going to happen to Jerusalem in the future. But he wept over the city for what he saw was going to happen. And, and I just wonder, you know, as, as we are kind of taken up by Palm Sunday and by Easter week, are we concerned about crying out for Jesus this week and explaining to people who might be confused and misunderstand who Jesus is? And also, do we weep over the state of the world, over the state of people, over people we know, our friends and family, and those in, in Baston Hill? So there were three groups of people. Um, the disciples, who kind of kind of understood. <coughs> uh, the people themselves, who kind of misunderstood. And Jesus, who knew exactly um, what his mission is. And I, I, I pray that in this Easter week that we will just be able to trust and obey like the disciples did. We will work towards clearing up the confusion of, of the people uh, around us um, and speak out. I think that is our job this Easter. Amen. have a moment of private prayer about that. Amen. We are going to affirm our faith in this Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're going to use affirmation three. So would you like to stand? Together. Though he was divine... He did not cling to equality with God, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a slave, he was born in human likeness. He humbled himself and was obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has raised him on high and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every voice proclaim that Jesus is Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Would you like to sit?
I thought that our intercessions today could focus on leaders. There will be silences, and I'll suggest persons to pray for. And I sometimes find it helps to do something physical, which may or or may not inspire words as well. Either way, God hears the longings of our hearts, often as yearnings, not even as words. So, I'm going to see if I can do this. Sometimes you could do this. You could hold a closed fist in your other palm as your longing and then release that fist. Not up here, I'm doing this for the camera. But, you know, down here, we all have our eyes closed, I imagine. Uh, And if you release it, it's like giving it to God. And sometimes I draw the initials of the person on my palm just to keep my focus. If it helps to concentrate, it's up to you. You could mouth words. There are as many ways to pray as there are people in the world. So we begin. Father God, we know that your heart grieves for what is going on in Ukraine. We know the power that's being used and we hear of the determination and bravery of so many. We're going to bring before you the leaders of Ukraine, Russia, and all countries whose leaders are involved in trying to bring peace and to prevent escalation. Amen. Father God, we bring before you our dear Queen and her family with all their gifts and all their failings, just like us all. We bring to you our political leaders too, Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer, and all MPs and those who govern locally. Amen. Father God, we bring to you our Archbishop, our Bishop, and all leaders of Christian churches, nonconformist, Anglican, and Roman Catholic. We pray about these leaders, their public presence, their private temptations, their difficulties, and their decisions.
Amen. Finally, Father God, <clears throat> we bring before you all who are bereft and grieving. Our heart hurts so much for those in Ukraine and Russia who have lost family members and whose grief we see on the television. And we also bring to you now those in our own community who are mourning. Amen. We commend, dear God, and we commend ourselves and all creation to your unfailing love. Amen. It's that time in the service where we wish the very best of anything we could wish to each other, which is the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thank you. So, why don't, it's a good moment to stand up and wave and blow kisses and just tell everyone in some way that you love them. <laughs> Eleanor has mentioned it's good to do something physical when we pray, and so maybe, uh, just a suggestion, don't have to, but as we say the Eucharistic prayer, you have your palm crossed to remind you of all that Jesus did for us, uh, and as he went into Jerusalem, all that James has been talking about, to remind you of all that's going on. Can we use the Eucharistic prayer now? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. You are worthy of our thanks and praise, Lord God of truth. For by the breath of your mouth you have spoken your word, and all things have come into being. You fashioned us in your image and placed us in the garden of your delight. Though we chose the path of rebellion, you would not abandon your own. Again and again you drew us into your covenant of grace. You gave your people the law and taught us by your prophets to look for your reign of justice, mercy and peace. As we watch for the signs of your kingdom on earth, we echo the song of the angels in heaven, evermore praising you, 
and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord God, you are the most holy one, enthroned in splendour and might. Yet in the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, you reveal the power of your love made perfect in our human weakness. Amen. Lord, we believe. Embracing our humanity, Jesus showed us the way of salvation. Loving us to the end, he gave himself to death for us, dying for his own. He sets us free from the bonds of sin, that we might rise and reign with him in glory. Amen. Lord, we on the night he gave himself up for us all, he took bread and gave you thanks. He broke the bread and gave, you, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Lord, we believe. In the same way after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Amen. Lord, we believe. Therefore we proclaim the death that he suffered on the cross. We celebrate his resurrection, his bursting from the tomb. We rejoice that he raised your right hand on high, and we long for his coming in glory. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. As we recall the one perfect sacrifice of our redemption. Father, by your Holy Spirit, let these gifts of your creation be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Form us into the likeness of Christ, and make us a perfect offering in your sight. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Look with favour on your people, and in your mercy hear the cry of our hearts. Bless the earth, heal the sick, let the oppressed go free, and fill our church with power from on high. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Gather your people from the ends of the earth to feast with all your saints at the table in your kingdom, where the new creation is brought to perfection in Jesus Christ our Lord by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours, almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body. Because we all share in one man. Draw near with faith. 
receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Christ given freely. And so we pray this final, this uh, prayer following communion together. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us here. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Just before we sing our final hymn, let's just pray for those who aren't able to be with us um, for reasons of frailty and uh, other difficulties. And I'll just mention those who are in residential homes. Father God, we bring these dear brothers and sisters into your presence. We especially remember those who are in homes, residential homes. Jenny, Tony, Margaret, Tony, Joyce and Eileen. May your blessing rest upon them. May they know you especially close this Easter time. Amen. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. Stand if you're able. And let's praise the Lord in these wonderful words.
Let us go forth into the world in peace and dedicated to your service, O Lord. Let us hold fast that which is good. Render to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak, help the needy and the afflicted, and honour all people. Let us love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of his Spirit, and may God's blessing be upon us and remain with us always. Amen. Amen. So let us go in in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, Amen. Amen.